2: Let's mix
1: it up, change it up, and
2: dominate.
0: And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, we've had the pleasure of having some absolute wonderful people on this podcast, from entrepreneurs, athletes... Actors, writers, all sorts of very disruptive people in their own right, in their own industry, and in their own way. However, we get a few guests that come through from time to time who are the absolute pinnacle and definition of what this podcast is all about. Being disruptive, taking risks. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. It's something Rob always talks about. And the guests we have today... I think absolutely perfectly fits the mold for what The Disruptive Entrepreneur is all about. So on the podcast today, we have Gymshark founder, Ben Francis. So for those of you who don't know who Ben is, he is an entrepreneur in every sense of the word. So he founded Gymshark, which has um, really exploded in the past few years and become one of the biggest sporting uh, gym brands out there. Ben started Gymshark from his bedroom. He was one man working by himself and he grew his business from his bedroom from absolutely nothing to be worth over a billion dollars in about eight, nine years. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. It really is something you would hear from a film. And now, you know, Ben has taken his brand to billion-dollar net worth level, and he's going after Adidas, he's going after Nike, and he is absolutely innovating and disrupting his industry and his market. And for a guy who's only 28 years young, it is really inspirational stuff for us all. So enough for me, let's just get straight into the interview with Gymshark founder Ben Francis. But remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.
1: Ben! Hello, Rob. Lovely to meet you. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, Ben. Thanks a lot for doing the Young Entrepreneur Summit. Really appreciate it. So, I'm going to ask you the most ridiculously open ended question in the history of questions ever. Take as long as you want to answer it because it's a brilliant journey you've gone on. So, how'd you you go from age 19 to then having a billion pound company at age 28?
1: Yeah, so I was incredibly lucky. If I go back to growing up as a kid, My grandparents, in particular, were very entrepreneurial, so I was quite lucky to be exposed at a young age to high levels of risk and running a business, essentially. So I was quite lucky in that respect, and I was sort of, without even knowing it, being sort of acclimatized to what it feels like and the stresses, the strains, and so on. Um, And then I did a bunch of different things, right? And listen, I failed so many times. I had seven or eight different websites. All of them failed miserably. And I was very, very lucky because Gymshark was the one that did really well. And I think people assume that it was the first thing that I tried and it just blew up and it was far from that. And funnily enough, Gymshark wasn't really a business venture. It was literally a a case of me and some of my mates making the clothes that we wanted to wear to the gym. Um, And we literally just bought a screen printer and a sewing machine and started doing it. Spent two years hand making the product. And fast forward to today, we've got about 550 staff around the world. Uh, finished last calendar year on just over half a billion US dollars in revenue. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy few years. Wow, what a journey. So
0: a couple of things I'd like to pick out that you said there, Ben. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you've been very lucky, which I think is a very humble thing to say. So um, do you also think you make your own luck?
1: Yeah, there's, there's definitely a bit of that, right? So when I say that I'm lucky, I mean... So when I was a, when I was very young, well, I say very young, I was probably 13 years old. I was working with my granddad and I was um, essentially I was lining furnaces with brick and ceramic, uh, ceramic fiber. And he would tell me stories about how we remortgaged the house to build his business. So at the time, that was just that was a really cool story that I was hearing. And looking back, I was being almost like mentally preparing myself and understanding that that level of risk is the level of risk that you need to take to have a successful business oftentimes, um, you know, again, having a great upbringing. I grew up in the, in the West Midlands where I still live now, and it is a, an amazing place with amazing people. I absolutely love it here. Um, so I think having a good upbringing helped. And then when I look at Gymshark as a business, it, it's sort of at the intersection of a lot of change in the world. So social media is blowing up outside of nowhere, and it has completely changed the landscape of how we communicate. Health and fitness is a top, top priority of so many people around the world. And all of a sudden, because of great companies like Shopify, people are purchasing online from brands that they've never heard of. And 10 years ago, people wouldn't just rock up online and buy from a brand they'd never heard of. So I think luck comes in so many different shapes and sizes. And I think it's situational, those three sort of stars align in. It's also the background of myself, my skill set being valuable at a time now, again, 50 years ago, it probably wouldn't have been as valuable. Uh, And maybe in 50 years time, my skill set might not be as valuable. So I think luck comes in all shapes and sizes. And then to answer the second part of your question, yes, I do think you make your own luck to a degree as well as that. And there's countless examples of sort of intuitive thinking or, you know, taking that risk. And even when I look at Gymshark, I do think what we've done is very unique. But there were a lot of other brands when we started doing quite a similar thing, which aren't here today. And I think a lot of that down is to us make a lot of that is down to us making our own look and taking risks.
0: Thanks, Ben. So you talked about some skills that you have or you've developed. So what are they? You know, what skills do you need to be successful in business um, or as a young entrepreneur?
1: so i'm a firm believer that it varies dramatically depending on the business and the life stage of the business so when gymshark first started it was worth my while to be arrogant felt like very like dominant in where i think it was going and essentially my role in the business was to drag the business from where it was to where i thought it should be by hook or by crook, right? So if in the first two years, you said to me, Ben, I don't think that's going to work. My, my response would have been something along the lines of, I don't care, I'm going to give it a go anyway. Now, that works up to a period. And then all of a sudden, as you start to build great teams, you realize that that just isn't going to continue. And it can't continue because you need to be the amalgamation of all the ideas of the people around you. And you need to then take those ideas and morph it into a vision and then learn to communicate it in a you know, in an eloquent and inspiring way. So all of a sudden, I had this reality check when I had some great people around me and I realized I can't act in that way. So I then had to adapt. So I think those skills definitely adapt as you change. Sorry, adapt as the business grows and depending on what sort of line of work you're in. Now, there's a few things that I think are really important. I think you have to be able to learn new skills quickly and be very, very open-minded with them. Um, Again, like learning how to speak, articulate my vision you know even just being open-minded to certain things that I would consider boring parts of the business I think it's been really important as well. Thanks Ben.
0: Failure. What's <laughs> your attitude with failure because I think sometimes not actually not just young entrepreneurs everyone we're so worried about failing we're worried about what people think about us. Um, you sound like you were raised in an environment where maybe that wasn't such a bad thing but can you talk us on your attitude of failure and what
1: a good attitude is in that to be successful. I believe you can't... I think you have to be wary of failure, but you you can't let your failures define you. So all the best people I've met are not in any way defined by their failures. And they can almost laugh at them a little bit. Whereas I've met some people that would never allow you to think that they've failed. And generally they, they tend to be the ones that don't sort of perform as well in my experience in a business or entrepreneurial setting. So you're right. I'll give you an example as well. I I worked my absolute socks off to get into university and at the age of 17, 18, when I got into university, which I don't think people thought I'd be able to get into university before that. But when I did get into university at the time, it was the biggest achievement of my life. My parents in particular, were just massively, massively proud of me. I was the first Francis to have ever gone to university. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't quite finish. And I remember when I called my mom and dad up and said, listen, I'm going to drop out of university. I don't want to do it anymore. They disagreed with me because they thought I'd worked so hard for it. And then it gave me so much opportunities that they never had and my grandparents never had and so on and so on. But the second I made the decision to quit university and I said, no, that's my mind made up. They completely and utterly supported it. There was never a point where, and there was tough times after it, there was never a point where they said, oh, maybe if you could go back or maybe you shouldn't have done that. Um, so that's I think as an example of what could have been a failure at the time, but I was fully supported on it. So I'm really open-minded with failure, and that's both personally. I'm quite happy to fail. I'm quite happy to fail publicly as well, um, and I try and encourage that as often as I can internally at the company as well. Mm. Great. So you sound like you've
0: turned your passion into a profession, like mm-hmm. something you were actually interested in. Yeah. Thirty or forty years ago. Our fathers or grandfathers would go to work, do manufacturing, mm-hmm. come home for 40 years and then maybe retire. But the world's different and you can take something that you love and you can turn it into a really successful business. Mm-hmm. So is that something you did? Uh, and how can we merge that passion and profession mix?
1: Um... Now, I I think we're at a really good point, aren't we now? Because there's, there's, there's such a huge fundamental shift in the landscape from retail and offline to online and social. Like I've seen other companies, with all due respect, just take what other companies are doing offline, online, and be really successful at it. So I don't think there's been a better opportunity to turn your passion into a business, I think, than ever. The opportunity is massive and it's mental, right? How you can have the smallest niche in the world what was I looking at the other day? We we're moving house and I was Googling door handles and there was a website. It was like doorhandles.co.uk that only did door handles. Like, do you know what I mean, no one could have done that a while ago. So I think that's so cool that even the tiniest niche, no matter how niche your passion is, there's an opportunity for you to turn that into a business now where maybe that wasn't possible 50 years ago. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us nicely onto social media because there was no social media 50 years ago. You're pretty prolific on social media. In fact, I think we first connected on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so how important has social media been in the development of Gymshark? And how have you embraced it and used it?
1: I mean, social media has been massive, absolutely massive for Gymshark. And it was never a, a strategic decision. There was never like a group of us sat in a room saying, we're going to use social media to do this. It was just because we grew up on... MySpace and Bebo and then Facebook and then Instagram and then Snapchat and YouTube throughout. So it just made sense to communicate via the channels that we communicated with our mates with um, on. So to be honest, social media has been massive for us and it's been um, it's yeah, I mean, it's pretty much allowed us to communicate with the community that we've created.
0: Is it something that you were naturally up for and found easy or did you actually have to teach yourself to? Um, you know, put yourself out there if you like.
1: From a commercial sense for Gymshark, it was very, very easy because I knew exactly what I wanted to do on it and how we wanted to get our message across. And the the community started to build rapidly, which helped. Um, Personally, I was very, very, very reluctant to put myself on social media and I only did it properly about, business is about eight years old. It probably took me about four or five years into the business before I even started posting on social media. And I reluctantly did it because one lad in Dublin came up to me and said to me, I'm really inspired by the Gymshark journey, but I just don't hear anything about it. Can you just do one video that explains the story and how it started? And I was like, I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll do one video. Why not? And we'll see how it goes. And it just went brilliant from then on. So commercially, yes. Personally, no. I was very reluctant.
0: for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters, and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. with a capital R right now. And is that because you're naturally not a gregarious person or is it it security and privacy? What are the reasons?
1: Yeah, a combination of everything, to be honest. Um, Very private person, very introverted. Um, it, it, It just wasn't anything that, to be honest, was particularly exciting to me. And then it was only when I started to do it and I got sort of that positive reinforcement and the snowball effect happened. And I thought, you know, what? this is quite fun. I actually enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just something that it didn't grab me in the same way that other things did. And since I've started doing it, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. So you said initially
0: social media wasn't something that excites you. So what does and remember we have some young audience members.
1: <laughs> God, what excites me. You so so um, social media massively excites me now. I, I listen I I love what I do. I'm a, 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 at my core I'm a creative person. So I'll go down a million rabbit holes, different things that I'll fall in love with and obsess over whether it's motorcycles or defenders or you know one facet of the business. And and that's the fortunate thing for me now is the gym shop business is so large that I can jump into different facets and obsess over them rather than obsessing over Gymshark then something else. So yeah, I mean, outside of work, I'm just always thinking of creative things and having creative pursuits. Whereas now, to be honest, the vast majority of my life is dedicated to the business. Mm. You're still very young. Um, So what
0: advantages do you think youth has in entrepreneurship?
1: Oh, what advantages do I think I've had due to age or just in general?
0: Yeah, because sometimes I think younger people think they're disadvantaged because they haven't got experience or money yet. But I think that you know there's lots of advantages of being a younger entrepreneur.
1: Also, so going back to what I said at the start about working with my my granddad and remortgaging the house, right? He remortgaged the house with two kids and a wife and a hell of a lot of responsibility. People completely and utterly underestimate the. Opportunity that youth brings because you have less responsibilities than when you're older. Like to grow Gymshark, there was three or four times I risked every single penny I had personally and the business had for it to succeed. Now, when I've got kids and so on, I'm not convinced I would have taken that same risk. I, I'm, I, you know, I'll be first to admit that. Whereas others, as others would take that risk. So I think youth brings huge opportunity in the sense that you have the ability to take more risk than when you're older.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, do you feel like, as well, being younger, you didn't have the jaundice of 40 years of rejection? And do you feel like you maybe were a bit naive of how hard business can be, which can be a good
1: thing? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that naivety. But then you can approach, so you approach problems that have been solved a million times over with a completely fresh set of eyes, which I think is great. You know, it's brilliant because otherwise you would just do it the way it's always been done. So from, yeah, opportunity in terms of just seeing things from a fresh set of eyes is very, very important as well, especially in a business like where the scale that we're at now. Mm. Let's
0: say Gymshark wasn't a thing. You weren't allowed it. You Mm -hmm. couldn't be in the same market, but you were starting again as a young entrepreneur. What business models would you get into and what would excite you?
1: Oh, God, so many things. Okay, what business model? The business model would probably be quite similar to Gymshark. Am I in the position that I'm in now, or am I starting from scratch? Um, You know what you know, but you can't do the same business. Fine. Uh, I I would just follow my passion then, motorcycles. I'd be doing motorcycles. I'd be doing motorcycle accessories. Not because I think it's a big upmarket opportunity, because I absolutely love it. Or spare parts for like Land Rover Defenders and things like that. I would just be messing around with. Stuff like that, to be honest, I find it fascinating.
0: Mm. And I guess you'd probably leverage social media, would you?
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Listen, like, social media, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's you know selling retail products or car parts or fitness wear or whatever you're doing, social media is the place to be. Mm.
0: Great. Right. So let's talk about team now, 550 staff. Um, that's serious. Do you
1: have external shareholders as well? uh yes so there's myself there's two other people and then we have internal internal shareholding amongst the leadership team and then we have uh, an external investment company called general atlantic as well Mm.
0: so you are quite accountable to a lot of people i mean that's a lot of people that like then just you know keep (laughs) us going how does that make you feel
1: um massively massively empowered and excited there's um There's someone that I know you interviewed called Jordan Peterson that talks about responsibility, giving meaning. That is one of the most fundamental truths I've learned in growing this business. The more responsibility I take on, the more meaning my life has.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think people underestimate that because there's a lot of talk about, Oh, I want to be my own boss. I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to answer to anyone. I want to do what I want. I just want a laptop and I want to press a few buttons and the money roll in.
1: You become, you you become more responsible and more answerable. So like, when this is the funny thing, right? Is because we have a lot of like young people coming into the business and moving from entry level roles into managerial roles. And oftentimes, similar to what you've just sort of alluded to there, they'll assume, oh, great, now people work for me. But that's it's the, completely the wrong way around. When you've got people reporting into you, you work for them and you need to be aware like uh, there for them, you need to support them and you need to give them the tools to allow them to succeed. So it is the opposite way around. So you end up working in overdrive to support the people that report into you. Mm.
0: External finance. So um, has that, you know, that cash, has that helped grow the company maybe more than if you did just self-financed?
1: Yeah. So to be honest, we, that only happened about six months ago. So we, we grew, in fact, something I'm really proud of. We were one of the few UK businesses to get to a unicorn valuation with no external investment, which is just brilliant. And I'm super, super proud of it. Now, we ended up taking that investment and looking out for that investment at a point where we didn't need it. So I think that's really important as well, because I think if anyone is listening to this who is thinking of getting investment, the best point to do it right is when you don't need it because it, it gives you leverage and opportunity and so on. Um, But to be honest the thing that they've really helped us with and they continue they're they're a brilliant company i would recommend them all day long um is they help us expand internationally now that's really interesting for us now because we are at a stage where we want to become truly global um and their expertise in the apac market and north america market is just brilliant absolutely brilliant
0: Mm. and are there any differences now between you know essentially bootstrapping it all the way up to self-financing and now having external finances even more answerable? Has it changed the culture in any way?
1: No, not really, to be honest. Um, We were a very, very robust business previously, and we built ourselves in that way purposefully, so it doesn't change. And because General Atlantic are culturally so similar to what we built at Gymshark, if anything, it's more of a culture ad, so it's been great.
0: Great, so um, I fundamentally believe that not enough about money and business is taught at school, um, mm-hmm. So are there anything that you've learned along the way about money and business that you think they should teach at school?
1: Oh, God, yeah. They don't teach anywhere near enough. There was something really interesting that happened to me, right, about when I was about 24 as the business started to grow. Now, when the business started to grow, all of a sudden I got to meet a load of really fucking cool people. I'm sorry if I can't swear. Um, you, can't, a of, you just uh, did anyway. So, uh... <laughs> I, got, I got to meet a load of really cool people. Growing up, my parents and my grandparents and everyone else as I was around, their dream, their utter dream was to pay off the mortgage, right? And that's an, that's an amazing dream to have. And I think that's that's cool. So I had the opportunity to pay off a mortgage, which was, again, dream come true for me. It was incredible. And my, my dad, my grandparents, everyone was like, Ben, this is amazing for you. This is so good. Just pay it off. And then I started speaking to some of these people that I'd met, these brilliant financiers, these people that had been educated, you know, in terms of finance and managing money and wealth and so on. And then they started talking about, wait a minute, Ben, you're borrowing this money on a mortgage at an extremely cheap rate. There's other things that you can do and you can start moving things around. And there's so much more opportunity for you. Um, And I remember someone saying to me, the mortgage is the cheapest money you'll ever borrow. And, you know, it made me think a lot about that. So it was very interesting for me to meet people that had been properly financially educated. And obviously there's risks, listen, that come with things like this. Um, But that shift made a big, big difference to me. And it really helped me learn and understand about finance in a way that I hadn't been taught. And I don't know if that was because of my educational background or West Midlands or class or whatever the hell it was, but it just didn't end up coming to me. So I completely agree with you. I think it would be great if we taught more business and finance at school than we do. 100% hundred um, percent
0: so you've got and had business partners yes um, i've had a, I've had a business partner for fifteen years and honestly without him I definitely would have been nowhere near what I'm able to do today has mm-hmm. it made a big difference and an impact and has it been positive experience for you having business partners
1: yeah definitely definitely uh, the, the advice I would give is try and partner up with someone well one culturally you have to be you know the same you have to have the same ambition and motivation and and drive and vision but you want to almost be like opposites in the other things that you do so if you're highly creative sit with someone that's highly organized do you know i mean i think that's that's your your basic sort of step one step one check um and you want to be able to bounce off each other and learn from each other as well so yeah business partners i think are hugely hugely valuable Mm.
0: did you have did you have an exit have you ever parted or exited or bought out any business partners
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. So we, um, the person that I co-founded the business with actually left in the last deal. Um, right. And that was, you know, that was great for them. Mm.
0: What, well, great for them as in they wanted out or great for them as yeah. in
1: the payday? All of it, fi- financially, emotionally. I think they were really happy with where they'd got to. Like, Lewis wasn't involved in the business from a day-to-day basis at the time. So he wasn't as emotionally invested as me. Um, so yeah, it was a great opportunity for him all around. Mm. Great.
0: So, haters. Always got to talk about haters. You mm. come across like a really level-headed, balanced individual. Have any of the haters ever got to you? Have it, has it ever hurt or upset you, or do you have a, a plan or a strategy?
1: Um, so this is one of the benefits of spending the four, first four or so years pretty much off social media, so I didn't ever get to see any of it, which was really useful. Um, listen, I'm sure there are people that probably are a little bit more pessimistic about maybe myself or my vision. And that's cool. That's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But I just really don't read into any of it, to be honest. Like maybe in the last couple of years, I've seen one or two comments and that's it. So I'm really trying to avoid it at all cost if I can.
0: That you wouldn't entertain it?
1: No, fine you know, anyway. So no. I, met, I met someone a while ago, a guy, a, a huge guy on social media called Jan Olsen, um, a Swedish guy. I remember he told me that one day he just said, right, anything negative, I'm just not going to have anything to do with it. Negative email, negative comment, negative. I'm just not even going to, I'm just going to completely wash my hands of it. And it's like it doesn't exist. Um, And I just, you know, he said it completely changed his life and made a huge difference. So I just applied that same rule a few years ago and it's been brilliant for me. Yeah. I'm
0: friends with Jake Wood, who's Max Branning or was Max Branning on EastEnders. He Mm. said the same thing. He said... Um, it used to take up so much time. One day he decided, zero tolerance. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you have zero tolerance, they don't come back. As soon as you reply to them, they come back and they come back. and So yeah, zero tolerance. I sometimes just can't help having a bit of fun with them. That's just my nature. (laughs) I think you have the best plan. Right, we've got four questions left, Ben. I want to thank you very much in advance. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's definitely been fun for me and we've had loads of great comments. Um, so best advice you've ever received or you can remember receiving?
1: Um, well, it's really simple, right? And top line, but just trust your gut. Like, I think the only very few regrets that I do have have been when I haven't trusted my gut and gone through with something. That would probably be the, the, the best, best, best piece of advice that I've ever gotten. I've stuck to it for the most part. It's, it's held true.
0: Great. And then the worst advice you ever remember receiving?
1: Oh God. Um, What's the worst advice I've ever had? I don't know, to be honest. It'll probably be something around. It would probably have been something around someone trying to blow smoke at my ass sort of thing, like, all your are unique or special and so on, which I just don't think is true. Um, I think everyone has to adapt and change and learn and grow. I don't think anyone's like just the finished article and needs to stay as they are. So I don't know exactly, but it'll be something around that. And this is a separate
0: one because I've still got two more, but, How do you stay level headed? How do you stay grounded? You're very successful and there's no getting away from that.
1: Uh, An amazing family, an amazing girlfriend and a brilliant set of friends. So like, I, I consider my work life to be insanely, incredibly chaotic. So outside of Covid, it's I mean, the year before it was 50 plus long haul flights a year. So you're talking a flight a week. You know, so many people growing rapidly, offices around the world. It's just chaos, chaos, chaos. And it's, it's controlled chaos. So my personal life is just completely and utterly stable, brilliant girlfriend who just supports me completely. And obviously, I support her. So having that sort of yin and yang is massively important for me.
0: Mm, Great. Right. Is there something that for quite a long time you believe to be true, but maybe in recent times you've changed your mind on?
1: Hmm change my mind on um, i'm really not sure i don't know to be honest
0: <laughs> that's good that's all good <laughs> final question then is there something that you believe to be true but mm-hmm. many others around you or society doesn't believe so there's something that you just think
1: differently to others about you could have warmed me up for these questions these are intense <laughs> um, these are the last two i have warmed you uh, up the, the um, To be honest, the only thing, and I don't think it's the fact that I believe it in society doesn't, but I think the thing that I've been fortunate to do, but I know a lot of people don't, is just invest in the people around you. Like that whole thing of you're the average of the people you spend time around, you see all these quotes. It's so important to surround yourself with great, great people. And people will avoid doing that because it damages their ego when they realize that they're terrible at certain things. And everyone is terrible at certain things. So I'm massively, massively passionate about great teams that work together towards the same vision. And you know, they're greater than the some of their parts. And I think it's very, very difficult to do that. But I think once you can master that skill, I think you can achieve anything. Mm.
0: And when you say it's difficult to do that, are you saying surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you and not just pander yeah. to your ego? Is that what you mean? Oh, it,
1: listen, it's heartbreaking at the start when people challenge you and you know they're right, you know they're right and you know you're wrong. And you've built up this image of yourself of being this great person and you're just not because you bad at what you're talking about, so it is heartbreaking. But like I said, it's so powerful if you can achieve it.
0: Um, and so def- you defining great people is what? What would define a great person around you?
1: So it really depends because with teens, you need you know different types of people, but it's essentially you know highly motivated, intelligent people that are you know good human beings that you know want to create change in the world. Mm.
0: Great, so Ben, where should people follow you? Is there a promotion you're doing right now or is it just the general website? Yeah, listen,
1: just check out Gym Chart. Think about us next time you're looking for some fitness wear or want want some inspiration online. Uh, My name's Ben Francis, I'm on Instagram and YouTube and now TikTok all of a sudden. So listen, if you wanna follow me, that's brilliant. But thank you. Thanks for taking the time as well, Rob. Oh, look, my pleasure. Have you gone Clubhouse yet? I have, yes. I've used it a few times. I need to use it more, to be honest. I keep jumping into random people's rooms and they invite me on stage and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm uh, I'm just getting to grips with it now.
0: Yeah, great. Well, look, Ben, I
1: just want to say thanks a
0: lot for giving your time. Really grateful. We help young and underprivileged people start meaningful businesses to change the world. So you've been a great part of that. I've had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Ben.
1: Thank you. Have a good evening. Speak soon.
0: Cheers, Ben.